Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am Tim Ogles, and today we will be breaking down a disappointing loss for the Atlanta Hawks to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 127 to 119. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky. Mikey, we just got a win last night, but this is a tough one. Um, I felt like this game for the Hawks was very winnable. What What is your overall thing, thoughts? Yeah, when, when you look at this game, coming up coming off us a momentum win last night in Toronto you want to get 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 back home on Monday off uh with a, with a good flight home but unfortunately Hawks weren't able to do that um I, I really thought tonight's game it was it was really fr- it was really frustrating kind of an in-between game for the Hawks and Quinn Snyder as well because Jared Allen really established dominance in the paint all, all game long, especially in that, especially in the first quarter. And when you look, when you look at the box score, it's easy to say, "Oh no, man, uh, Clint Capella was out on Yeka Kongu starting at center. He's just too small for Jared Allen." And while the rebounding battle, uh, Kongu did not do well. A lot of the buckets that Jared Allen scored uh, fell on the backline rotations of the Hawks, uh, not, not being not being able to cut off pocket passes and passes to the middle off pick and roll because Akangwu's job tonight was to cut off the ball handler in the pick and roll and not allow him to turn the corner. And he did that successfully. But the back line of Wesley Matthews, Garrison Matthews, uh, Sadiq Bey, these guys, these guys really are not just not big enough to to, bo- to bother Allen or to intercept those passes into the middle. And Allen, credit to him, he took he took advantage of it and they really put the Hawks behind the eight ball to start. Yeah, I felt like in this one, the Hawks really struggled defensively, definitely in the first quarter with rotations. And I felt like a lot of that had to do with communication as well. Um, we do know this is the second half of back to back and <sighs> I don't want to use that as an excuse for this team because every team has to deal with that. Um, but to kind of go towards that, they are going from Toronto to Cleveland. They have to go through customs. It's a it's a long process to get back to the hotel, you know, the following morning, go to sleep and get ready for this game. Um, Bogey on a second half to back to back. Most, most of the time, you know, he's going to play limited minutes. But with this one, you know, the Hawks went ahead and, and played it safe. I think, and that's something that you can't use as an excuse. But they're they're going down shorthanded for sure. Yeah, it's without without Bogey and Clint Capella, two of, two of your top five players right there. Um, they got gotta be gotta be able to somehow replace that production, and the Hawks weren't able to do that. And the biggest difference that I think I saw from tonight versus last night was the Hawks' defensive scheme. Now we talk we talked last night about the Raptors. And how their their offense isn't the greatest. The Cavs they still have Donovan Mitchell, Karis Levert still a good scorer. Max Struess is a better ball handler than he was in Miami on the perimeter as well. Now, so they have scores on the perimeter that you can't play drop coverage against if you're the Hawks. Now they they never they never went to a zone uh, or or changed that defensive scheme from playing the big high up on the screen, which allowed Jared Allen and and Tristan Thompson honestly as well to to kind of get the ball in the paint. And, and push around the Hawks' smaller defenders. But it was really pick your poison because the drop coverage isn't an answer. It wasn't working when, you know, because Jared Allen and Tristan Thompson were just dominating the paint. So the Hawks, I thought, would have shown a zone at some point tonight uh, to try to give the Cavs a different look. Quinn Snyder didn't go to it, uh, but that was an interesting decision. I, I would have liked to probably seen some zone from the Hawks tonight uh, just to t- kind of take the Cavs out of a rhythm and give them a different look. Yeah, and the Hawks are already an undersized team. And when you lose a guy like Clint Capella, it, it's 
it's going to be detrimental sometimes and definitely against bigger teams like Jared Allen's probably one of the top five shot blockers in the league too and Mm -hmm. to have you know Clint down there to seal him off or um you know to catch lobs etc etc I think that you know for the Hawks they they needed a run zone but they just couldn't and I think when you have Trey, it's just hard to run zone. Yeah, and it, it it is it is hard to run run zone with the Hawks personnel because because they are so small, they can't cut off a lot of those passing lanes. But another reason why I I think it, it's uh, hard to run zone if you're Atlanta is because the Cavs have a lot of perimeter shooting. Greg Porter Jr., Karis LeVert, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, George Niang, all those guys that I just mentioned plus three point shooters. So uh, you and and Okoro is shooting shooting more threes now as well. Uh, so you you've got you've got to factor that in uh, when you decide to run a zone. And and I think for those reasons, uh, the Hawks decided not to. Even though, like like I said before, I probably would have liked to see it just a little bit to take the Cavs and and give and show them a different look. All right, so we'll go ahead and go into this one. Going into the first quarter, the Cavs started out on a 14-3 to run. Um, the only bucket the Hawks had was a made three by DeAndre Hunter. Um, for, for his first night back, I thought he played okay defensively. Um, I, I felt like it, it was uh, more to be desired from DeAndre. I felt like his ball pressure was off, and maybe that's him still nursing a sore knee. Um, I did notice at, at that time he, he, he's been – he sat a lot tonight, so I, I, I'm willing to think he's – on a minutes restriction um but for, for as in the first uh we've talked about the hawks having bad first quarters and this was another one yeah immediately immediately the Cavs saw their advantage uh with jared allen and went straight to it uh, eventually they they brought the lead to, to 27 to 14 the, jared allen had 14 points by himself when the hawks uh total 14 uh for the game so it kind of just shows you uh, how much how much he established his presence inside. And I think, to be honest, Tim, that was the Hawks' game plan. If they, they limited Mitchell through three quarters in this game, he he didn't have a big impact on this game scoring-wise um, un, until that fourth quarter when he kind of, you know, took took the Cavs to, to the finish line there by bending but not breaking. So um, uh, in, if, if that is the case, then credit to Jared Allen. He he made he made the Hawks pay for the game plan, but, but it almost looked that way. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, it, it definitely had to be part of their game plan uh, for the Hawks is, you know, to take Donovan out of the game and, you know, live with what you get, you know, what Allen gives you. Um, he took full advantage of it. And, you know, shout out to him for doing that. Um, Patty Mills, Trent Forrest were the first subs coming in. I thought maybe for a minute we might see a Seth Lundy siding just because, you know, he was brought up and, and he's been playing really well in College Park. And he got, uh, you know, a minute or so in the uh, end of the Toronto game. And I thought this would probably be a good spot to just kind of see what you got with him. And uh, it, it was Patty and Trent coming in. And uh, I, I thought in those minutes, they struggled both of them. Yeah, I would have I would have not minded to see uh, some Seth Lundy minutes early in this one, given how given that the Hawks were behind so so much in this game. The, his three-point shooting would have definitely helped. I I think the only reason that we would have seen Seth Lundy minutes tonight is because A.J. Griffin and Bogda Bogdanovich were out. Those are two great shooters coming off your bench that you're that the Hawks are missing. And Wesley Matthews and Garrison Matthews still still good shooters, but not not at that. Uh, Matt Garrison is probably still at that level, but Wesley Matthews his three-point shot hasn't really been as effective uh, as he would have liked so far this season. So Lundy probably would have helped juice the offense a little bit. 
But then again, you know, the the, def- the defensive start was really uh, what had Quinn Snyder concerned. Yeah, and, and kind of moving on further into the first, I felt like the Hawks were getting bullied inside. And it, it wasn't just Allen at, at this point, you know, later on in the first. I felt like as, you know, Allen came off the floor, Cleveland was still with Tristan Thompson and, and the other guys always getting to the rim, getting easy buckets. It, it was quite frustrating to watch. Yeah, what's fu- what's funny is the guards for, for Cleveland in this game, I do think the Hawks did a good job containing them and not letting them get downhill that much and turning the corner. But unfortunately, with that comes the big out of position uh, when he gets high on the screen. And Bruno Fernando, Onyeka, Kangwu, both of them, when, when they trap that initial ball handler, whether it be Craig Porter, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, Max Struess, George Niang, Tristan Thompson, Jared Allen, all those guys that I just named, they were able to take advantage of Okongwu and Fernando being out of position, technically, if you will. But it's not really their fault because that was how the Hawks game planned it. Yeah, and that's all on the rotation, guys. Um, yeah, all the wings. Yeah, DeAndre struggled in that position, um, losing back cutters. Like, it, it was rough. It Sadiq was rough. as well. Sadiq. Yeah, and, you know, the Cavs got out to an 18-point lead at the three-minute mark. The Hawks were missing easy shots. They were taking bad shots. The offense is just like they couldn't get in any kind of rhythm, um, whether it was DJ, whether it was Sadiq. Nobody could hit shots. Yeah, and it's unfortunately right now with DeJounte Murray struggling to shoot the ball as well and as well as Sadiq Bey, when Trey's the only person, when Trey and DeAndre are the only guys in that starting unit uh, who are shooting efficiently, it's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be great when, when one of them are off the floor and, you know, Trey, Trey had a great game in this one, uh, but definitely a rough patch there to end that first quarter offensively. Yeah, and to end off the the first, the the score after the first was 41 to 28 Cleveland, and moving on to the second, Cleveland um, continued to dominate inside. Um, the Hawks struggled rebounding throughout this whole game. The absence of Clint Capella was definitely felt. Um, we needed guys like DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bay to step up on the glass, and they definitely didn't do it in the first half. Yeah, 42-59 to 59 was the rebounding difference uh, tonight in favor of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you look at the what the Hawks did last night. Atlanta dominated Toronto on the glass in that last game. But tonight, it was just the complete opposite of that game. And, and yeah, losing a top three rebounder in the league, in my opinion, Clint Capella, is definitely going to hurt that. I thought Bruno. I thought Bruno Fernando gave the Hawks some great, great minutes when he was on the floor. Uh, but but Akangwu, Akangwu especially tonight, struggled in that rebounding department. Yeah, and defensively... Um... Continuing into the second, the Hawks were not communicating on defense. And you could tell because even on screens, guys were just dying. Nobody was switching. And on the offensive side, Sadiq Bey, what a rough, rough game he had. Um, In the first half, he shot one for seven on threes. And the majority of those were wide open corner threes that Cleveland gave him. You got to cash in on those. Yeah, unfortunately for Sadiq, when he's in the shooting type of shooting slump that he's in right now, his defense leaves a lot to be desired. And then if he's not hitting shots, then it, it can look really bad for him out there. And, and this was one of those games 
uh, that he'll that he'll probably look back on and say, not a great game. Let's let's put my best foot forward and try to have a good bounce back game against the Pistons on Monday. Yeah, over the last five games for Sadiq Bay shooting twenty one percent from three. Um, that is uh, excruciating. I felt like in the second quarter though. Bruno Fernando and Garrison Matthews, they came in and played great minutes. Bruno brought the energy. I felt like those two were, you know, trying to keep the Hawks into this game. Yeah, but especially, yeah, especially for especially for Bruno, uh, he doesn't get he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, Clint Capello and Yeka Kong will take up all forty eight minutes of the center center position when healthy. But Bruno's number was called tonight for, for a lot of reasons. And I personally would have wanted to see Fernando and uh, Kongu on the floor at the same time at one point tonight. It, it never happened. And I, I do think that may have been a slight uh, miscalculation on Quinn Snyder's part just because of how the, how the Hawks were getting dismantled inside. And it would have definitely helped having a Kongu, a versatile, lengthy, def- versatile, lengthy defender, strong defender on that back line. Yeah, and speaking of the Hawks getting dominated inside, at halftime, the points in the paint were 36-14 to 14 in favor of Cleveland. <laughs> that is disgusting. 14 paint points. The Hawks, and I, I, I made this observation on Twitter during during the first half, Trey Young looked like the only guy on the floor for Atlanta to ever put consistent pressure on the rim. It, it, it was not it was not a great sight. And when Dejounte isn't doing it and struggling from three, uh, it, it's a rough sight. Yeah, and through the first half, Dejounte Murray had four points. Um, he went one for seven from the field. His other two points came from the free throw line. Um, I felt like you know with with DJ. He has to be more consistent. I brought this up in the last pod because I thought that he had a pretty good game in Toronto and I wanted to keep him consistent and, and see how he played in this game in Cleveland. And it was another rough one. Yeah. A lot of a lot of NBA coaches always harp on closing quarters, closing halves the right way. And the Hawks cut the lead down to 15 um, as they approached the two-minute mark. And, you know, things things were kind of looking okay at that point. Probably one of the Hawks' best – definitely the Hawks' best stretch of the first half. But then immediately, Cleveland goes on a 7-0 run to stretch their lead back to 22. And that kind of – that was just a gut punch there heading into, the, heading into the locker room for Atlanta because they think they found something and then Cleveland just punched them right back. Yeah, and the the way the second ended was on a Trey Young three. Uh, I think that that might have helped a little bit going into the third. But you know, at the end of the at the end of the half, it was seventy to fifty two. Um, I felt like the Hawks were pretty deflated. I can imagine uh, Quinn Snyder in that locker room giving them an earful on you know what what changes and expectations that this team has and he has for this team. And it felt like none of those were really being used in in the first half. And yeah, the, the effort, the effort, um, the Hawks came out with, especially in that first quarter, uh, was was definitely sub was definitely subpar. And that in the second quarter was a little bit better. But I'm sure, like you said, Quinn Quinn Snyder was in there uh, giving them an earful. Yeah, and moving on to the third, um, I felt like the Hawks were a different team, kind of. They came out, they started playing really good defense, a lot of ball pressure. Um, you know, for the majority of the third, towards the end of it, it kind of changed it. But they went on a 24 to 11 run. Um, that That's the kind of Hawks basketball I expect to see all the time. And 
it's just that the first half of this team just it's frustrating because we know what they're capable of we just don't see it every night yeah the that first half really sunk the hawks because the second half effort was really good the hawks you know they cut they cut the lead down to 9 in, in, at 72 to 81 and at that point a lot of people thought you know the, the the hawks have all the momentum in this game the Cavs dominated the first half and immediately coming out of the third quarter a notoriously bad quarter for the hawks they were able to they were able to st- uh string together some stops like you said the ball pressure DeJounte Murray's defense a lot better in that second half um and and I think I think as well the Jared Allen just slowed down. He didn't score in that third quarter actually at all. So this was definitely the Hawks' best uh, stretch of basketball for the game. Yeah, DJ was way better in the third. He had 10 points in the third. Um, His point total after the third was 14. I felt like, you know, he was really applying himself offensively, getting to his mid-range shot. But something that I I love to see from DJ is getting to the rim. Biggest thing right there. Biggest thing. Yeah, and he definitely got to the rim and that affects the game for the Hawks because it opens up three-point shots because then you make guys commit to you going to the rim. And when he's doing that, the Hawks, you know, offense just seems to flow a little bit better yeah DeJounte's obviously comfortable with that mid-range shot but when he's going to the rim it does so much for him it does so much for for everybody else that he he just needs to be able to turn the corner and attack and get in attack mode a bit more during the games now his mid-range shot is is a good go-to shot uh for him you know he's really comfortable in that area elite elite in that 15 17 rain foot range but the when when he goes to the rim, I think the amount of pressure that it puts puts on the defense takes them away from that mid range shot, opening it up later in the game. So I think it benefits Dejounte and honestly the whole team uh, if he goes to the rim a lot earlier in the game and then kind of settles for that mid ranger as the game kind of progresses. Yeah, and the Hawks, Cleveland went on a little bit of a run at the end of the third. But the Hawks cut it back down to 11. It was 81-92 to end the third. I felt like the third quarter was a big quarter for the Hawks to get back into this game. The fourth quarter was, you know, fueled by defense and great shot making by Trey and DeAndre. I felt like the Hawks got it down to six, and they they were definitely back in this game. Um, you could hear. I don't know if you're listening to the Hawks um, broadcast, but you could hear the sideline, the bench yelling at these guys, empowering these guys on the defensive end yeah. of the floor, and that's something that I haven't heard being at Hawks games or even um on, on tv and to hear these guys get behind them and uh, be honest with you i'd like to hear it a whole lot more because you know this team has struggled defensively and as it's well known i think that a lot of it's effort based sometimes and when whenever you got guys pushing you for the effort it, it's always a great thing yeah Tra- and Deion- deandre both played great uh offensively throughout really the entire night trey just hit some really tough threes uh, I'm def- a couple of times he had two, but he had two buzzer beating threes throughout this game. Or, well, not technically buzzer beating, but and two threes to to end the court to end a quarter. And w- the way he was doing it was in, in Toronto. He had the def- he just had the defense guessing. They they had no clue what he was doing. Cleveland he made shot after shot after shot. And some of the some of these shots that he was taking were tough. I, I remember a specific one where he he was double teamed by Tristan Th- Tristan Thompson up on the screen and. 
he he kept his dribble alive until Thompson had to go back to Okongwu, who set the screen, and Trey dribbles to the right corner, steps back, takes a fadeaway three, contested, and it goes in. At that point, you knew that Trey was just in a rhythm, and most of the shots that he took was going in. The Cavs bended but didn't break. They bent but didn't break in this game. To kind of use a soccer reference there. Uh, cut the lead to six, but every time the Hawks did that, it seemed like Cleveland had an answer for them, Tim. Yeah, and there were there was this possession. Um, the Hawks had the lead down to seven, and they it, what it what it looks like is, is they have a seal over in the corner, um, but they never really got possession of it. Uh, somehow the shot clock was reset. Cleveland grabs the ball, tosses it out. Donovan Mitchell three. All right, so the Hawks come back down. Trey Young takes an early three in the shot clock um, before everybody can get down. He misses it. Donovan Mitchell comes back down. Dagger three. It felt like at that point this game was going to be over. Yeah, that that possession was definitely the nail in the coffin. I was kind of surprised to see the Hawks not clamoring for 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 a shot clock violation there. The, the Cavs definitely should not have gotten a, a shot clock reset there, but they took advantage of it out of a Mitchell with a three. And there wasn't a way that the Hawks really were going to come back in this game after that, unless they started to uh, force the Cavs into live ball turnovers. And, you know, credit to the Cavs, they... They didn't fall into that trap. Uh, they they held their they held up onto the possessions and kind of kept the ball away away from the Hawks. Even though Trey Trey got to the line a lot late in the fourth to keep the keep the Hawks within striking distance, but ultimately couldn't get it done. Yeah, and we we seen DeAndre go off. I think in the fourth at about the. F- six minute mark and he didn't come back in after that and you know him coming off a a knee injury uh, I would think that he's definitely on that minutes restriction and with the Hawks being that close you definitely want his defense on the floor I know we talked about the first half that his defense wasn't as good in the second half I really think DeAndre played really good defense and something I noticed too with the Hawks in the second half is they shut off Allen and made Mitchell try to beat him. And he, he, he couldn't do it in the third, but in the fourth quarter, he, he definitely got going. Yeah. That's basically what, what I was saying earlier in the show was Jared Allen, Jared Allen took advantage of, uh, of his, of his opportunities in the first half. Donovan Mitchell wasn't shooting well. The Hawks were limiting his impact through three quarters. Uh, but when it came down to crunch time, uh, Mitchell definitely hurt, hurt his former head coach. Uh, in Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta Hawks. So, unfortunately, Hawks cannot get the win. They will, however, have an opportunity to get that win, uh, to get a win against the Detroit Pistons on Monday, who will be coming in on a 23-game losing streak. We're going to preview that game a bit bit later in more detail, but um, Hawks should not squander this chance up on Monday, Tim. Yeah, and going into the um, box scores, I think that we'll start out with the bench, and we'll go with Wesley Matthews. 20 minutes, one for two from the field. I felt like Wesley had a really good game um, defensively. You could tell he was putting on tremendous ball pressure on Donovan. Um, you can't really ask for much for Wesley offensively, but defensively, I, I thought he was fine. Yeah, he's the he's the Hawks' best point of best point of attack defender, specifically with just creating havoc on the ball. And yeah, he he did that tonight. As we move on here to Bruno Fernando, in 15 minutes, Bruno was fit five to seven from the floor. He had eight rebounds, uh, a block, an assist, and 13 points. Tim, I thought I thought Bruno was excellent. Uh, he the energy he gave. And and the hustle the hustle that he gave 
against Jared Allen and Tristan Thompson was was great and he honestly out, outplayed Okongwu and from the majority of his minutes tonight yeah I thought he was phenomenal I, I don't know if you could ask much more for Bruno Fernando than, than what you got I felt like he brought all the energy he, he had some tough basket makes too uh, he shot 71% I mean you can't ask for much more moving on to Garrison uh, he had 14 minutes you know shot two for two from deep he had one turnover six points I, I thought he was fine I don't think he had the impact tonight like he had in Toronto but I felt like he had an okay game I, I'd like him to be a little bit better defensively but it was okay yeah for Patty Mills here in 12 minutes he was one of four from the field for three for three points two assists two rebounds uh I thought I thought Patty wasn't as great as the other bench guys that that came in his ball pressure uh norm, normally is, is really good but I don't think that it, it was it out of at the level that Wesley Matthews was tonight, but normally Patty Mills is going to hit a lot more shots uh, than Wesley Matthews. He was only one of three uh, from deep from deep tonight, but I think uh, I, I definitely think Patty Mills uh, will have better games in the future in the times that's needed. Um, yeah, I thought Patty was a little rough. Uh, Trent Forrest, uh, seven minutes, zero from two from the field. Three rebounds, one steal, one turnover, zero points. Uh, Trent Forrest was rough. It's just rough. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, he wasn't very. He was not very good. Uh, his calling card is his defense. Any offense you get out of him is a bonus. But I didn't. I didn't think he was great on the defensive end either. So when you're when you're not good on the defensive end, but the, your offensive game is pretty limited, it, it kind of looks. It will. It will kind of look like the game tonight from Trent. As we move. As we move on here to Sadiq Bay for the starting lineup. 36 minutes, 109 from the field, 107 from three for five points, two steals, and six rebounds. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, Sadiq Bay's in a, in a major shooting slump right now. Tim Tim said he's shooting the twenty one percent from three. And now we know that Sadiq Bay is not a twenty one percent three point shooter. He's he's one of the, he's one of the best shooters on this team and a top shooter of three, three point in general. But it's just not a good string of games for him right now. And the way he's playing defensively, it just makes it look a lot worse because. I, for a few games there, Tim, for the past week or so, he was okay defensively. But lately, it's it's shifted back to the Sadiq that we've seen a lot in the first stretch of games, and the, the shot isn't going in too, so it just looks way rough than it than it might be. Yeah, and for for me with Sadiq, it, it's he becomes a liability on the floor, and if you're not producing offensively or defensively. It's affecting the team negatively twice. And for him, if his shots are going, his defense I could live with. But if his shot's not going, it's rough. It's really rough. And moving on to DeAndre Hunter, which it looks like he's on a minutes restriction. He only had 26 minutes, five for seven from the field, two for two from deep, uh, six for six from the free throw line. Uh, he, he creeped up to 90% uh, from the free throw line. That's a, that's a big thing for DeAndre, who's normally struggled from the free throw line he had two rebounds one steal and 18 points I I felt like DeAndre had a pretty good game in his limited minutes I felt like defensively in the first half he was not very good and in the second half it it just seemed like he had a little bit more energy and spunk and I thought he played an okay game yeah I, I agree better defense in the second half and for DeAndre it was encouraging that he was able to be so efficient in his first game back five to seven from the field the only thing, another thing that I just wish that was better from DeAndre tonight was the rebounding, especially with Clint Capella out. And honestly, throughout the roster, 
Uh, Bruno was the highest rebounder for the Hawks with eight. And the next highest was six with Sadiq Bey. Um, in, a, in a game where Clint Capella is not playing, Hawks need to really give a lot of more effort on the, gra- on the glass crashing. And it, it just wasn't there. Uh, from DeAndre, but for for a lot of guys tonight. Yeah, it was really bad in the first half. Trey Young was your leading rebounder in the first half. If that's ever the case, it it is definitely not a good night for the Hawks. Yeah, as we move on here to Onyeka Kangu, he had seven, he he was seven and 12 from the field, two or four from deep. He finished with 16 points, one block, one assist, and four rebounds. The rebounding number is really what sticks out to me, Tim. But overall, I don't think Akangu played as bad as a lot of people will say defensively. You know, you can you can look at the box score and say, wow, Jared Allen was the starting center for the Cavs. Onyeka Akangu started for the, the Hawks. Onyeka has to be better on defense. But when you take into account the scheme and the way he played his role, especially in the first three quarters, not letting the ball handler turn the corner, and, and put pressure on the rim, specifically with the guards. He did a good job of that, but unfortunately, uh, the rebounding numbers and and when any when Jared Allen had him in the post, it, it just it just wasn't there tonight. Yeah, I thought Yeka played okay. Um, I do think that um, all the Hawks fans on Twitter will say he had a bad game, but ultimately, you know, for for all the the hoop heads out there, they, they'll know how you know he really played. Um, moving on to Dejounte, thirty six minutes. 8 for 19 from the field, 0 for 5 from deep, uh, 5 for 6 from free throw line, 6 six assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 21 points. DeJounte had a really bad first half with only 4 points. He definitely turned it up in the second half, um, 0 for 5 from 3. Whenever you have DeJounte struggling from 3, Sadiq Bay struggling from 3, and no bogey, there's a problem. There is definitely a problem. Yeah, and not used to saying that about the Hawks' offense, but that's what happens when you miss a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's just on a heater right now. Uh, but yeah, Murray just really a tale to two halves. I thought defensively as well, much much better in the second half on, on both ends. It was completely a tale to halves for Murray on the extreme side. Yeah, as we move, or, and, go ahead. And for DJ, we talked about in the last pod is consistency. If he can consistently, you know, keep up like he did in the second half, I think he'll be perfectly fine. Yeah. As we move on here to the play of the game for the Hawks, no surprise here. Trey Young, eleven of twenty one from the field, seven of twelve from deep. For 35 points, uh, had a block, 10 assists, and four rebounds. Trey right now, Tim, is probably playing the best basketball of his career. Unfortunately for the Hawks, it's not resulting in wins, but he's he's playing out of his mind right now. His shot is, especially from deep, is one of the best I've seen since he's been a Hawk. And um, just hopefully, hopefully the Hawks can... Uh, figure something out here on the defensive end uh, to where they can start stringing together some wins and consistency. Yeah, Trey's been phenomenal. And it stinks as a Hawks fan to watch these games that he's producing and the Hawks end up losing because Trey's on a tear right now. And when the Hawks get everybody back and healthy, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the league. But unfortunately, that's not right now. And the Hawks have to find ways to win these games that are winnable. The Cavs are suffering from injury as well with Mobley and Garland down. The Hawks needed to find a way to win this game. Yeah, and, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and we'll move on to, you know, the Hawks' next game, which will be Monday night at State Farm Arena against the Detroit Pistons. Mikey, how long is that losing streak now? 20. They will come into State Farm Arena with a 23-game losing streak. Five games off the NBA record 28-game losing streak. And speaking of stinking, that that is really stinking it up. Uh, the Detroit Pistons they they get they commit the most turnovers in the NBA per game. 
So can the Hawks defense, who's was who were great at steals, great at deflections, can they use that to their advantage and get on in transition and score easy buckets against this Detroit team? That's going to be something to look at early in the game as far as the effort goes uh, and if they're playing smart on that end of the floor. Yeah, and I think the key for the Hawks, too, is you got to get up threes on this team, too. I, I think that their perimeter defense – just isn't what um, the Hawks have been facing as of lately. I think that the Hawks can get plenty of looks that they like. So I, I expect um, the Hawks to definitely run more of a Quinn Snyder, Snyder style and, and uh, pace in space and, and let those things flock. Yeah, last time the Hawks saw the Pistons was up in Detroit. Trey Young missed that game and DeJounte Murray had an elite performance. Just just, just a masterclass from DeJounte Murray in that game. So can, can the Hawks reinsert Trey back into that lineup and, and find that rhythm? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And for Detroit, they also didn't have Boyan Bogdanovich in that game. So the Hawks will need to deal with Boyan, who, in my opinion, uh, since he's in Detroit, not a lot of people talk about him, but he's a professional scorer, not just not just a shooter. And so he's I assume DeAndre Hunter's gonna be guarding him. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Uh with Hunter with Hunter assuming he'll uh, assuming he'll be able to play on Monday, uh coming off that knee soreness, that'll be a key matchup because uh Kate Cunningham is also in the game. So I wonder who the Hawks can uh who, who how the Hawks match up against a big guard like Cade, who's not as quick but also a score like Boyan without Jalen Johnson. Yeah, and I think that for the Hawks, you might you might put Sadiq Bay out there on Boyan and then put DeAndre on Cade and maybe kind of flip-flop him every once in a while, you know, to keep DeAndre from going around so many screens with Cade. I think that, you know, the last game we played against Detroit was an in-season tournament game as well. And Yes, it was. DJ DJ played really well in that game. Hopefully he can, you know, go off of some of the, the things he learned in that game and really thrive in the next one. Yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at Pinwizard 300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.